Something that I actually wrote in my first book that I guess is a realization of mine that has helped is that you really only get shared milestones with your friends through college. Like at 16, you'll get your driver's licenses. At 18, you'll go off to college. At 21, you get your first legal drinks. And then like, that's it. People are on a different path from then on. You are not going to get married or have kids or take a job or move cross country or whatever it is or lose a parent or at the same time as your friends. It's not going to happen. It's done. So like the sooner you can accept that everybody is going to be on their own trajectory and find a way to like really feel like deep joy for your friends. Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot these days. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat and get ready to just go with it. Happy Friday, happy hour. We are here with another episode of Just Go With It, and we have a guest for you. We've finally provided on a silver platter. We have an (laughs) author, Lauren Chamberlain. She is the author of the book Who We Are Now, which just came out this summer, and Friends From Home. I read Who We Are Now about a week or two ago, had a couple glasses of wine, DM'd her how much it resonated with me. I'm so glad you did. (laughs) It's about college best friends, and then we got to chatting, and here she is now. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So happy to be here such a fun origin story when Ashley told me you were coming on and told me the whole story of how she DM'd you and she's a big reader not as much I'm not as a big reader as Ashley but she's gotten me into reading the love of reading um so she's always recommending books and stuff so we love having authors on we love female authors uplifting women so we can't wait to chat with you about so many different things thanks for coming on of course happy to be here and like I said it was so funny when um Ashley DM'd me and I was like at first, I didn't know who she was, and like I'd also had a couple glasses of wine, and I was like, "Amazing, made my day." Love to meet the readers, and then Everyone's I was like, crying. Oh, I listened to your podcast at least. Like, um, can so I come amazing. on? Amazing. <laughs> so, so, why don't you, before we get into it, why don't you kind of give us a rundown of your book that just debuted? What's it about? What sparked you writing it? When did it come out exactly? The whole, all the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. So my my second novel, Who We Are Now, just came out in August, August eighth. Yeah. And so it's it's been a whirlwind because my first book came out in the pandemic, like peak pandemic. We did not have in-person events. So like this was it's my second book, but my first tour, my first like it, the first time it felt real. Right. So it's been really exciting. Um, the book, broadly speaking, is about four friends who meet in college um, and it kind of follows the next 15 years of their lives as two of them become wildly successful in their chosen creative fields, kind of their original or a version of their original dreams from college, and two of them don't. And it's not to say they're not successful, but just maybe their adult compromises don't fully jive with their like youthful dreams as much. Mm. And it's about how creative success affects friendships over the years. Um, you know, it's jealousy, insecurity. I like to describe it as it's really, it is a book about friendship, but it's really about like how to be a person. That's not super eloquent, but it's these four characters, two men, two women, just figuring out who they are through their 20s and 30s, um, what matters to them, what it means to live like an interesting and fulfilled life. And then finally, unfortunately, um, a tragedy in the third act kind of reunites um, the other three. All it's again. always the tragedy in the third act, isn't it? Well, yep. I'm sold. I need yeah, to read I it immediately. Read it yet, since this was also oh so <laughs> up. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm seeing this with fresh eyes, fresh ears and fresh eyes. So I'm really excited. There's nothing that Ashley and I love more than our college friend group. And we are, we literally won't shut up about it. It's like so annoying. Um, but yeah, we all graduated from school in 2020 and we make time to see each other periodically throughout the years. We've all moved all across the country. So that sounds like a really relatable story to Thanks. not just us, but plenty of people in their 20s, I'm sure. I love it. Wait, how, you have to tell me how big is your, I'll try not to be the interviewer most of the time, but how big is your college friend group? Like how many of you are there? There's eight of us, wow. six girls and two, two boys. boys. Two um, boys. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Girl um, power. Yeah. And um, two of the members used to be in love, actually, and Abby's one of them. <laughs> and that makes for a great story that Ashley one day will write. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like the Rachel and Dev of the mm-hmm. group. And now it's perfectly platonic. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Stay it tuned. Is. But yeah. what drew you to the storyline? Did you also have a group like this? Like, what made you want to write about best friends? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a few things. Um, at the events, I've talked a lot about how kind of the inspiration for the story was sort of threefold. Um, and the first one is that I did really go to Northwestern, which is the the college where the book opens and where the characters met I did live in a house with my best friends my senior year um in my case it was five five women that lived in the house together so the actual friendships the actual characters are not real like at all but I did live in a house with you know my senior year best friends and I do remember like around our graduation all of us you know sitting around talking about like where did we hope our lives and careers would be in five years or ten years that that kind of stuff um and so I think even ever since then, I've kind of had that in my, in the back of my mind as like a, it would be fun to explore like who you think you're going to be when you're 20 yeah. and you know, who you are when you're 35 or 40, you know, how old some of the characters are when the book ends. Um, so maybe it started there and that that setting is personal to me, even if the characters and events aren't. Um, and the second piece that I've talked about a lot is that I really love this book, The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. Have either of you guys read that? No, but I see you keep mentioning it when I was looking you up last night. Yeah, I do. I do. So if anyone's listened to me before, this is going to be boring. I'm going to be fat. <laughs> Basically, that's one of my favorite books, but it is very much about like what happens to like creativity and talent and friendship over uh-huh. a life, but it's very like baby boomer generation. It starts in the 70s. Okay. And so I, I think I kind of was always <laughs> into doing like a millennial, like elder millennial era twist. On, on some of those same themes, like different stories. I do not want to be compared directly to Meg Wolitzer, who's like incomparable, but um, I think kind of those things sort of came together and I ended up writing the very beginning of this book back in 2017. So before I'd even oh, sold okay. what became my first book, Friends From Home. Then I went back into Friends From Home, sold that, and this became the second book in the two book deal. But yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while. Something else I always think about as I read books and especially when the characters are really well developed is how do you base like develop the characters that you're creating and does their personality like come alive as you're writing it or do you kind of have like the ideas for who each person should be? Do you base them off of friends? Like that's always so interesting to me. Yeah, that's such a great question because I always wonder the same for authors and I think the answer is like it depends. It's like a little of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, my because my books are so character driven so basically like I love to write about as I've said like friendship over time basically and I I really write character driven fiction so I would say the characters come to me first um meeting like my characters is kind of the easy part for me and then I try to figure out what happens to them a lot of writers work the opposite way they have these phenomenal ideas for like high concept plots and then they figure out the characters Mm -hmm. mine are more like I have these characters in my mind and like what would happen to them? Like, how are we going to make an actual story out of that? So I feel like I kind of like, I don't know, they sort of all four of them like came to me at the same time. Like I I was going to have a group of four friends. I knew I wanted men and women 
and they were kind of two dimensional in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So Abby, like you said, in writing, like they become more and more real. Like they start as like kind of two D sketches, and as you write them and like spend more time thinking about it, they become more three dimensional. I also did do some interviewing, so they're not based on anyone, but I do have characters in the book who like have identities I don't share, whether that's like yeah. their sexuality, their gender, their background, like all of that. So I actually did interview some people for this one. So like bits of their experience made it in. The characters aren't holistically based on any one person. Because I was also going to ask, how on earth do you write about something that you haven't experienced? Because obviously you haven't experienced every single thing like humanity has to offer. So how do you, you know, truthfully write about something that you haven't been a part of? Down to even being like, like a man and stuff. Or- yeah, well, it's hard. I mean, I'll have to leave it up to the male readers of the book, <laughs> which there are some, to tell me how well I did it. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because I writers have to write about stuff they haven't experienced, right? Like yeah. that's being a writer's writing fiction. Like you said, you can't experience everything. I think the emotional truth has to be there, um, mm-hmm. but the literal truth of the details does not. So I don't think that I could successfully write at least, yeah, not yet, about an emotion I haven't felt. But the thing is, is that most people have felt all the emotions. We, you know, yeah. I, so, so I remember when I was, I was writing a scene where, without too many spoilers, one of the characters, Clarissa, who aspires to be a stand-up comedian, is at an audition. Um, I don't write out, you know, her full stand-up. I am not nearly funny enough um, to do that. But I, I was, like, showing the scene of her at the audition, and she was, I knew it was going to result in her, like, bombing. She wasn't going to do well. And I was talking to one of my best friends who's also a writer about this. And I was like, I, I don't audition for stuff. And he's like, no, you know what it feels like to fail. Yeah. And I think it's helpful. Like, you know, like, so I think that's true of everything. Like, you might not know what it's like to, I mean, like, probably I'll do, but you might not know what it's like to find out two of your friends hooked up behind your back, but you definitely- yeah, You'd be surprised. <laughs> you definitely know what it's like to feel left out of something, or you know what it's like to feel jealous, right? So, like, I think it's tapping the real emotions. Like, the emotional truth has to be real, and then the, the scene, the rest is just scene dressing. And then the second, obviously, is interviewing. Like, if you are writing, like, a type of character, whether it's racial background, whatever it is that you don't, like, have or truly mm-hmm. understand, I mean, definitely talk to people that have it. Like, don't be, don't be lazy. And don't yeah. Speak. Yeah. Outsource when you can't. Pull yeah, <laughs> exactly. Something else that we like to do outside of reading to better ourselves is exercise. I'm super into weightlifting. Ashley's been going to the gym. She likes to go for her daily walks, maybe a run every now and again. Are you still training for that half marathon? Well, I didn't start. That's the thing. But in the back, she hasn't started. Everyone (laughs) comfortably run. Not comfortably. I can run almost four miles, but that's just that's me really impressive. Life. That's me just living life. So that's not training. I'm just living life, man. <laughs> yeah. I love you, so Anne. Maybe, maybe eventually. So in order to support our health and support our fitness goals, we have partnered with First Form, who sponsors this podcast, and we are so, so excited about it because many reasons. One, last week we talked about our obsessive tennis dresses that we can't stop wearing because they truly are the cutest things. First Form has apparel, you guys. Everyone thinks of them as a supplement company. They've got really cute outfits. I have literally every single color of sports bra that they have, and I wear them in the gym. I rotate them every single day. I get compliments on them all the time if you like colors they have them i love them i'm and also a fan of the spandex shorts is spandex are you word? yes i would say biker shorts that's aging myself dramatically the past two weeks spandex shorts 
She said, she said, is that the right term? I'm always on TikTok. I don't know what's going on. Um, We're just going to ignore that. But anywho, um, also they have a pumpkin spice protein bar. I've tried all their protein bars at this point. They're so good. They're meat sticks. And honestly, they're supplements. If you are looking to add collagen, that's something that I put in my coffee every single morning, 15 grams of protein to start your day. There's something for everyone. They have greens. They have reds. They've got it all. Whatever reds are. I think it's like beets or something. Who knows? It's all good for you though. So head on over to the link in our show notes and support your own health and our show and check out First Form for yourself. And thank you so much. We'll love you forever if you do. Get yourself some spandex. (laughs) So is this story, since I'm the one who hasn't read it, I guess I can ask the clarifying questions, but is it a lot about having to do with different choices that you make early on in your life and then having the butterfly effect of affecting that? And if so, can you touch on like your thoughts on like the little decisions we make and how that can affect like the larger course of our life? Totally. That is part of it, especially in the beginning. Um, The four characters, I think all do things, take jobs, have romantic encounters, whatever it is that maybe seems small in the moment. And then, yeah, they do reflect on, you know, what if I'd never taken that job? What if I'd never heard this secret? What if, et cetera. So yeah, definitely butterfly effects and sometimes described, I guess, as like sliding doors moments in the copy, you know, like you could have mm-hmm. gone away or you could have gone the other way and you have no way to know what that set in motion. Yes, because since you're exploring that in your book, obviously that's something that's important to you as a person individually. Yeah. So just your thoughts on that in general with with actual life, not just in storytelling. Yeah, for sure. So I think that my actual thoughts on that, I I have them in the book at the end. There is definitely a character whose interior yeah. monologue near the end is definitely, that character is not me, but that way of thinking about the decisions that we make and how do we make peace with them when we can never truly know what we do in a moment, how that will reverberate in the rest of our life. How do we make peace with that? How do we know we're living the right life? Um <laughs> So my thoughts know. Book, yeah, I know, right? Um, I think it's something about, it, to me, I guess I've reached a greater point of acceptance with that than maybe I had in my 20s. And so that's yeah. kind of fun to write about. I think I used to obsess over every micro choice of like, what will this set in motion? Who will I be? Like, what will happen to me if I give up this job or whatever it is, you know, or if I date this person or what have you. And I think now I'm in a phase in my life where I am much more in a place of like, it doesn't matter what would have happened if I didn't do that because I did do it. Like you create your life. And, um, you know, my grandma actually always said something that kind of relates to this. That's one of my favorite pieces of advice, which is um, make a choice and then make it your best one. Um, so like the making it work happens in retrospect. It's not about making the de- the right decision. It's about making the decision right. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed I think it was towards the end and I'm probably going to butcher it verbatim, but one character was talking to another character and was, was something along the lines of like, you know, like we're not each other's love story, but we are a love story. It was, was that it? Something like that? crying. Yeah. <laughs> Abby eats stuff like this up. She loves oh, it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. No, I really, really like that part because we all, like some people are like, oh, there has to be one great love story, but there's so many facets of love stories with a place, yes. with friends. There's so yes. many different ways to like be in love. So I really I, like that. 100%. I'm obviously a big believer in that. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like the, you know, I love to read some fun romance every now and then, but I just, I, I'm not into the romantic love story is the big love story, only big love story of your life. Like hopefully it is a big and dynamic one. That's wonderful if you have one, but like, yeah, friend, friendships, places, iterations of yourself, like those are all love stories also. 
So speaking of that, you've made it through your 20s, which is just such a feat. So congratulations, first of all, on doing that. <laughs> and as someone who has done so, please shed some wisdom. I actually wrote this question on, on the list here. I think it's funny. Do we ever stop coming of age? I oh, yes. So funny because also before you answer, I feel like I talk to literally anyone of any age and I ask them like, how old do you feel? And most of them feel like, yeah. you know, like somewhere in their late twenties, maybe yes. early thirties is like the general answer that I get. So I'm like, what the heck? Like how I feel like a, you know, 25 year old teenager at this point, I'm sure yeah. it'll change at some point, but do you think we ever stop coming of age? Like, or no. So, so, so no, obviously I think is, is the answer. I know because like life is a, a, a fluid process, right? It's like grow or die. Like you're either, you're, you are always growing. You are always growing up. You are always getting older. You are always having more experiences, right? Um, do I think that rate of change is as fast as it is in your teens and twenties? No. And I think that's a good thing. I think we all mm-hmm. like kind of get to a point where we sort of want to get off the roller coaster of a overwhelming over our teens and early to mid twenties. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely never stop coming of age, or at least I hope you don't. I don't think you ever stop growing up um, in that sense, and I hope that you never stop learning and changing. But I do think like how how intense that feels and how high stakes everything feels mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. slows down a little bit. But oh, yeah, the high stakes part. Yeah, but I yeah I definitely think I feel like I'm 29. I'm not sure if it's actually possible to feel older than 29. I no longer feel 25. <laughs> 29 is where they cap it. <laughs> but I think I'll maybe feel 29 forever, and that would be fun. <laughs> I saw something on on TikTok. I think that was like you're a post grad until you're 30. Like that's that's yeah. all there is to it. <laughs> you 100%. are until you're 30 years old. Yes. Um, <laughs> I really also enjoyed not to keep nitpicking small part, not nitpicking, but oh, calling out small parts of your writing. I sent this to Abby last night, sucker for a love story. Um, I really liked in your acknowledgments uh, where you said something about, I'm assuming your husband, yeah, being your greatest <laughs> choice, but also like an accident, if you will, like the happiest accident, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's an absolute inevitability and my greatest choice. Like I feel like I chose it and yeah 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 so do you feel kind of looking back on your 20s like that could be true for multiple things as well life choices just looking back because you tend to frame it in the positive outlook yeah definitely I mean I think that's true of there are so many great books about the interplay between like fate and free will Um, the immortalist is one of them that I'd recommend if you hadn't read it okay I'm not as deeply into that yeah the immortalist by Chloe Benjamin is phenomenal and I love books about that because I think that is how I feel about my life like I feel like I chose it and also yet that it couldn't have been otherwise and that's Mm -hmm. a bit what I talk about in Rachel's final final monologue in my book when I mean Mm -hmm. exactly what you did it's like you would have only done it differently if you had the ability to look back on it, but you can't do things differently looking back on them. And thus what you did was always what you're going to do. Um, that's mm-hmm. a little convoluted, but I, you know, like I, I think that everything you want to think you could have made a different choice, but the you that you were then would never have done that differently. And so it's pointless to yeah. uh, philosophize or regret over that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, it, it was fun writing those acknowledgements actually, because it's, I don't know if we want to get into this on this pod or not, but my husband and I have an interesting, interesting love story. And so oh, it really- please. We like, we, we love, this love nothing more than interesting love stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to give the, the, the shorter version, but basically we met in high school um, okay. for the first time. We okay. went to prom together and like briefly dated when I was like 18. Okay. Um, 
we went to different colleges. We broke up like around Thanksgiving, like very traditional, like turkey dump kind of. It's always Thanksgiving. What is it about it's Thanksgiving? Truly. Um, and then the classy version of that is that like we both immediately moved on and became friends. The realistic version of that is that we were definitely in what you would now call a situation ship for like yeah. another year after yeah. that and whatever until finally really breaking up um, and not being as much in touch for a while. But we did have a lot of the same friends because we're from the same town originally. So we would see each other like at holidays. Eventually, we were both dating other people and we became like friendly enough that like he and his girlfriend were once in New York and had dinner with like me and my boyfriend that I dated for a lot of my 20s. Like, so it was like firmly into this like iconic way in the past kind of place. When in the summer of 2017, I had decided to kind of take like a summer sabbatical and go to Bordeaux in France for the summer. Be me at 25. <laughs> no, but it was it, it was it was great. It was it was a risk for sure, but I took the leap and, and did it, and that was an amazing time for me. How long were you and there? I was just for the summer um, of 2017. But my now husband was doing his masters in Germany at that time. Actually, everyone's just dancing around the globe, huh? Other <laughs> like, people are like your high school sweethearts, and I'm like, kind of, not really. Um, and so, the, I mean, this is like eight years later, right? Like yeah. after we've broken up for real, and he saw that I was there though and we had a lot of mutual friends and he was like you know if you wanted to come to Germany for the weekend like if, if you and stay with me and my roommates like you could do that and I was like yeah never been to Germany sounds fun I thought he still maybe had a girlfriend he didn't know what my situation was but I went to visit um for the weekend and yeah sparks sparks flew so we like we got back together from like Germany to New York did distance for like ever and that's part of the reason we now live in Toronto and we got married two years ago that is inevitable and a choice. <laughs> yes, like, I, like we had to do so much to be together, but yet it was always like it was like this person that I've known like forever. Our parents yeah. like two minutes apart, like this whole thing. Like it was like it was meant to be, but also we really had to work for it too. Who were you in your mid twenties? I was when we okay. remet. Yeah. Um. That. Oh, you can go, Abby. I was just gonna I see say, you chomping the at summer, the pen. summer of twenty seventeen was the Lover album out yet, Ashley? Or no, that yet? was twenty nineteen. <laughs> Because we were okay. starting our senior year, yeah. No worries. I was just going to say <laughs> that would have been really perfect for you. <laughs> um, I really loved Abby. Sorry, again, you didn't read the book yet. But um, I felt like Rachel was kind of just going through her life, um, you know, wild, like casually and wildly dating. And then she was like, okay, it's time. I need a yeah. foundation. Let me seek someone out. Yeah. And I feel like that is more the stance of people than people are willing to admit. Like yes. the time has come where I need to settle down and find someone it doesn't matter who, hopefully I love him. Well, I will love him, but like, let me just find someone and, and make that my my future. Yeah. And I really identified with that because I think that's what I'm going to pull. <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, I think yeah. it goes one way or the other and it depends on so many things. It's, yeah, on, it's on you as a person. It's on external circumstances beyond your control. Like it's, it's a bunch of pieces that go into that. But I would say, uh-huh. yeah, very much like about half the people I know it was – if you watch Sex in the City, like the cab oh, yes, light, of course. they say it for men, like, you know, when your cab light's on, the first woman that gets in, like, they'll it's marry them. the cab light theory. Um, so, like, I I both believe, but see, this is another fun discussion about, like, free will versus timing, because some people totally believe in cab light theory, and they're like, it's all about timing. you like, that's, and then that becomes the right person. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, the right person is timeless, you'll make it work. So, like, mm-hmm. I think life is both, right? Like, mine is... Because mine is literally both. Like, it's like I met my husband at the wrong time. Obviously, we weren't going to date straight through from like 18 to 31 or whatever, you know, and then get married. Um, That wouldn't have worked for me personally. 
But then like we did meet again when the time was right. And yet also I didn't plan to like get with somebody seriously that summer. I had been just been through a breakup. Like I, you know, I was in my around Europe. I was in my you pray love era. So like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the timing was right, but it was also wrong. And I've seen that for so many people. Like they decide they want to meet someone and then something unexpected happens or like, they're like, I don't want to date at all. And somebody comes in. So like, I I feel like it's so both. And I know love stories that happen both. Mm A hundred percent. Before we get more into the twenties talk, a little bit of background. I didn't ask in the beginning, but how did you end up writing your first book in general? Did you write it and then you sought out editors? What was the game plan? Yeah. So, so traditional publishing and fiction, like it works pretty much the same way for everyone. And I was very fortunate to have a window into that because I had met a good friend in New York who became an author before me. Um, he's the person the book is dedicated to. Also, Arvin, Arvin, my best friend. Um, and yeah, so I, I had always kind of known I wanted to write a book. I studied journalism and French in college, um, you know, and I kind of planned to work in media or communications or something. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, I kind of planned to like work in something writing related, but wanted to write a book on the side um, and hopefully eventually make that my career. So for a lot of my 20s, I was kind of starting and stopping and trying and failing to write a first book. And it really was like my best friend doing it and selling his book that played a big role in me being like, oh, this is something we can actually do. Like before it seemed like a pie in the sky dream. And then I was like, no, I could actually do this provided that I can just, you know, finish and get some beta readers and critique partners and really work to make this good. I I could do it. So I wrapped up a first draft finally, thinking about 2018, showed it to a couple of other people to read and ended up um, starting to query, which is what you call it when you look for a literary agent. Um, everything flows through an agent, like in traditional publishing. So that's what you have to do first. Um, and yeah, I queried, like, I looked for agents for a couple of months, ended up with a couple of offers for representation and chose my agent that I now work with and love in 2019. And then she sold my work to my publisher agent, sell your work like to Got the public house, okay. the random house, Simon Schuster, whatever. It's like your agent's responsible for selling to an editor at a publishing house. And that's when you actually get Got paid. It. And my agent, yeah, sold sold it to my wonderful editor at Dutton, which is part of Penguin Random House, um, in September 2019. So we've been on this journey since then. Literally so exciting. You must feel so proud. I think I that's literally the coolest thing ever to, like, write a book and be like, this is a piece of art that, like, I created. And actively be like, you know, here it is in bookstores. Yeah. And then you can't be embarrassed about it. You have to be like, hey. Yeah. Read it. <laughs> I'd be signing it in every bookstore I ever walked into. Totally. At the airport, I'd be having a trophy out. Do, though. Like, I go into everyone and I'm like, I do have my book. Can I sign it? No. Well, thank you so much. But it's also, it's weird. Like, this is part of the book, too, is that is, is the notion of, like, do things ever feel like you think they're going to? Um, and and so to me, that, you, like, it doesn't. You have to stop expecting. Because I think that if, like, I went from one day, like, just writing in my apartment, like, in New York, dreaming of having a book deal... And then the very next day I had a book deal and the very next day the book was in stores, it would have seemed as surreal and exciting as I dreamed of. But it's yeah. such a multi-years process. Like we sold the book in 2019, but we couldn't actually publicly announce until all the contract work was done, which took months, took another six months to see a cover. Then it's a six to nine month marketing push before it even comes out. Like the th- it's such a protracted process that I think you end up coming a little bit to take it for granted or it just becomes your life like I know so many people who write books now that it's like almost staggering to me when I meet someone who's like you write books I'm like everybody does everybody I know writes books and that's the nature of any industry right like you're an actor like well you just you know a bunch of actors like it starts just less surreal than people outside would imagine so on the one hand like 
yes, I'm very proud and I, I want to keep doing the work and it is my dream job. And on the other hand, like nothing ever feels like you think it will. And that's fine. Yeah. That's it. like be in it for the work, not for the excitement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of times when we have guests on, especially people who have made it through their 20s, we've had people of all ages on the pod. Most people are in their 20s, but mm-hmm. it's always just like we talked about, there's so much of a roller coaster that goes on in this decade. Totally. So retrospectively, what were some defining moments? that you look back besides writing your book of course because we've wow. talked about this a hundred times but you know other ones outside of that that you think wow those really kind of you know altered the course of where I'm at now yeah okay so well that's so interesting I obviously I'm going to think of like the bigger ones first but I'll see kind of what comes to me um the first one was deciding to move to New York um you know I went to school in the Chicago area obviously there are a lot of jobs in you know media communications it's scary it was it was terrifying. Yeah, like I was Yeah, like I was leaving, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and I went to college in Chicago. It was yeah. helpful. I had several friends from Northwestern also moving to New York at the same time, so that helped me a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, like I didn't have to do that. I could have looked for jobs in Chicago. I could have, you know, gone back to Michigan for a little bit while I applied for stuff, and I just decided I mean, I moved like a week after graduation um to New York. Waste so. no time. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was definitely defining. I, when I think of, you know, my life would have been different and filled of other, I'm sure, incredibly wonderful people I couldn't imagine my life without. But like, yeah, I mean, everybody that's in my life, I met so many people in my 20s in New York. A good mm-hmm. three quarters of my my best friends are from there. You know, my professional contacts, my agent, my everybody. Um, So moving to New York when I was 22 was like a huge moment in my life, obviously. Um, other pivotal 20s moments. Um, one that I think of a lot, actually, funnily enough, is breaking up with my boyfriend of like four or five years when I was in my mid-20s. Um, and that was like such a hard decision for me. I thought yeah. I, I I thought I would never get over it, like couldn't imagine my life without him, but it just really wasn't. It was like almost the person, but not quite. Like I had I, I have so many good things to say about him, but it just it wasn't quite aligning. But like being brave enough I guess I mean to do that to like say even though this is like pretty good even though like we've been together a really long time it's just not going to work um and then having to you know renew my whole life without someone you've been with you know for four years or whatever mm-hmm. that I just can't even get over it I'm like oh I wouldn't if we hadn't like I wouldn't have gone to France that summer I wouldn't have like re-met my husband like yeah. I, my books would have been different like everything so I always I do try to say that like to friends that are going through breakups too because I'm like it's going to be awful right now, but like the twists are the good part in in life. So that was uh-huh. definitely a defining moment of my twenties for sure. Um, you know, writing the books we've talked about we talked about that, but like that was such a big pivot. And then the last biggest one was moving to Toronto um, for James because he was doing his PhD here, and we'd been long distance for so long, and there was no way he was going to be able to come to New York within the next like four or five years. So it was basically like break up or get married and move to Toronto. And um, big decision. <laughs> yeah, like big, that's, that was huge for me because I never wanted to leave New York. I, I'm one of those people. Yeah. That's why I act like my my friends were like they couldn't see it. They were like you moving for a guy. I was like I know could never be me. Like I I hate it. Right. Um, but obviously deciding to do that has given me now new people in Toronto. I couldn't imagine my life without like a great foundation, like an amazing relationship and marriage. And so like I'm happy I went for it and that I didn't let. The fact like, no, I can't leave New York, like define all of that Mm -hmm. for me. Now we're moving back and it's fine. So (laughs) So now you get what you want and you're dragging it. Yes. I mean, I was very clear. I was like, this is a contractual agreement. Like I am on loan to Toronto. (laughs) And like, we're done. (laughs) We're out of there. (laughs) Yeah. 
I've, I'm someone who's never fully done long distance relationships in its truest sense, but I'm sure there's a lot of people, and I see a lot of people on TikTok talk about long distance. For some reason, I'm on long distance relationship TikTok. Don't know why. <laughs> <Get that. laughs> um, but I just like that's a really relatable thing. So can you just kind of talk about your experience doing that and like if you have any tips for anyone? Because I feel like that might be helpful. Yes, happy to. Um, okay, so what's funny about that actually is that I've done long distance twice and one time it didn't work out and one time it obviously did. And so I think a lot of times there's a tendency to for people to be like long distance doesn't work and don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. to be like long distance totally works. Like you just do these hacks and it's fine. The answer is like, like anything, it works with the right person and the right investment from both partners on both sides. So there's no one size fits all solution to that in my opinion. So my boyfriend that I was just discussing having broken up with, he and I were together in New York in our early 20s. And then he moved to Portland, Oregon. So I was doing long distance with him and it was quite far away. Yeah, it's it's far. Not as far as Germany. So hold on. Yeah. So so basically I, you know, like we had a great relationship for a long time. He was from New York. So it was always planned that he would move back, but it was a question of when we didn't know things in our relationship were kind of faltering. And like I said, it was like, he was so almost right. It was like 98% right. Um, Mm. And it was a tough decision, like whether to break that off or not. But when I did, I was like, there will be absolutely no long distance. Like, I think I went on a couple dates around that time. And I was like, I'm only considering men who own apartments in New York City. Like, there will be no renting. There will be no people who are even, like, from Long Island. Like, I don't want to leave New York. New York only. Yeah. Then, of course, then I go for this summer, end up reconnecting, like, with my now husband. It took a little bit for us to actually get together. There was more messiness in there. But, like, one of the big factors in, like, 2017 into 2018 about, like, deciding whether or not to take seriously, like, how strong of a connection he and I clearly had was that he was in Germany for at least one more year. And I was like, I cannot possibly do this. I just dumped a guy for living in Portland. Like, we're going to go to, like, yeah. twice as far away. Right. And fortunately, I mean, that, that same exact advice I gave at the beginning, which is that, like, it's about the two people and, like, how much you're both willing to put into it and how right that connection is. Because I was talking to two of my friends who are now married who had done long distance at the beginning of their relationship. And I was like, I don't know. I think I, think I love him, but, like, I don't think I can do it. And <sighs> The friend said the same thing to me, and she was like, well, I mean, I dumped somebody for being long distance, but then I dated Stanley long distance, and then we moved in together. So, like, don't blame the distance when it's just the person. And I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah, who are you willing to make it work with? Yeah, and I decided to give it a try, and I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So, yeah, that's, that's like, my, I guess, like, stance on it and what happened in my life. In terms of advice, I would think just practically, I don't think I would do it again without an end date. I think if you guys can agree, like if somebody's going to business school or like somebody gets a great job opportunity, but it's like after one year, if things are still going well, one of us will move or like this is a two-year thing and then I commit to looking for jobs in your city after it's over, right? I think long distance with some kind of agreed upon date at which you'll make a move and make yourselves be together if things are still going well is very doable. And in fact, even fun. Keep in mind, if this is your person, you have the rest of your life to live in the same house as them and um, live your life, especially if you're in your 20s. I think I loved being in long distance relationships in my 20s because now I've lived with my husband in an apartment for the last three years and he's the best. But like, 
You know, like that was, I, I'm thrilled that I had a time in my life that wasn't just all, even though I was someone in my 20s, I'm thrilled I had time that wasn't just like all about being with my boyfriend like all weekend, every weekend, you know? I feel like, Ashley, that's a perfect scenario for you. Actually, maybe you should only well, look for men who are <laughs> Set hinge to only as far I, as only possible. I like being independent only. to a detriment, which is why, like I said earlier, Rachel, she just kind of decided, you know what? It's time for me to find a foundation. That's what she said to Abby, we're telling you. She said, it's yeah. time for you to find a foundation. Well, let me start trying hard and I'm going to make it work with someone I love yeah and I think I might pull a fast one like that <laughs> because yeah, I'm too I, love that. Yeah. I think it's great um but yeah no I mean practical advice just have an endpoint. um communicate you know like if something's not working for you you just have to communicate like you have to communicate even more than you do in a relationship where you're in the same place and if you have those things going it, it'll be fine it's not the end of the world what are your thoughts on since this is kind of you know the essence of the book but kind mm -hmm. of coping and you know staying close with friends despite everyone's past being so wildly different especially yeah. in your book some are quote unquote like successful some are creative some are sad and like going to depress <laughs> sometimes yeah. Some are, yeah some are like falling in love but how did you personally looking back feel like you were able to stay close with your like long distance friends or close friends too even though everyone's going through like that especially with marriage and kids and everything too it's oh it's a different but that's the thing it's a different era all the time and so something that I actually wrote in my first book that I guess is a realization of mine that has helped is that you really only get shared milestones with your friends through college. Like at 16, mm -hmm. you'll get your driver's licenses. At 18, you'll go off to college. At 21, you get your first legal drinks. And then yeah. like, that's it. People are on a different path from then on. You are not going to get married or have kids or take a job or move cross country or whatever it is or lose a parent or at the same time as your yeah. friends. It's not going to happen. It's done. So like the sooner you can accept that everybody's going to be on their own trajectory and find a way to like really feel like deep joy for your friends yeah. as opposed to like I don't know if you listen to like Tinks at all I've listened to her podcast yeah. and like she has we know a Tinks well yes not well but we know Tinks we yeah. know her personally no but her like I mean you know not getting into her advice or not but like the, the comparison is the thief of joy yeah. thing is something that I found really true like you have you have to find a way whatever it is um you know therapy I've done a ton of whether it's therapy yeah. whether like whatever it is like find a way to actually be like genuinely happy for your friends yeah. when they have their big moments even if those big moments aren't yours and when you really show up it just it just helps and it brings the same back to you like I have friends that have had kids recently and I'm like you know they're sending the big thing or like bringing the food or whatever and it's like it's so exciting for me I don't have to be having kids or wanting kids to make that like yeah a great moment for my friend and you've got to just allow your friendships to stretch and bend and you've got to try to show up and communicate and that's not to say I've always done that perfectly I've certainly had you know friends drift away over the years and that's natural in your 20s I think like your 20s are a process of like the people that make it through to the other side of that with you are really the people um in a way like you know like whatever friends you're able to like go through all of that with over your 20s and early yeah. 30s by then you've gotten some practice at it and and they'll be there the way that you described the fact that after college you don't have any shared experiences at the same time yeah. I've actually never thought about it that way or I've never heard it put in that in so many words like that makes so much sense like in high school and in college you're literally all doing the same things at the same time so it feels very yeah. communal and that's probably another reason like why in your 20s that sense of community also is lacking a lot of times because you are all on such different timelines. Yeah. And I think something that, that I do mention a little bit in the book, I think in the friendship between Clarissa and Dev, who have some kind of professional success that's a little bit similar. Something that's true in my life, though, is, you know, I think in my earlier 20s, I used to be sad that like, oh, we're not going to go through the same moments at the same time always. 
But then I realized that it's such a gift when you happen to go through something at the same time with someone. Like you and your friend might have, let's say you're, you love each other, you catch up on the phone, but you're not that close from like 25 to 28. And then suddenly you both get new jobs at the same time when you're 28. Like that's the friend you're going to like talk to about that. Yeah. And then maybe when you're 32, somebody you lived across the country from, but you're both having kids for the first time at the same time. And now all of a sudden you've got this new thing. So like the way that circumstance can bond you by surprise with someone that you didn't even know you were as close with or haven't been as close with for a while is like a really nice like treat of your later 20s, 30s, 40s too, I think. That's really Glass sweet. Glass is half full, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> In fact, it's all the way full. <laughs> In fact, it's filled up to the very top. <laughs> um, before we get into kind of closing up, do you ever stop feeling like a kid? Like one of our very best friends is like talking serious about getting engaged and I'm like, I don't know, we're just a bunch of kids. That'll be, you know. Well, have I got to get married? If you're in the friends from home is a book about not being able to believe that your friends are old enough to get married. So that's oh, a, great. I will read it next time. Perfect. That's all okay. up in there. That's yeah, that, that one's good for that. But no, I don't think you ever stop feeling like a kid. Someone I know who's 25 asked me that the other day. And I was like, no, um, I will say that I had this thing when I turned 30 and it doesn't have to be 30. Some people are very into like, you know, financially independent from the day they're 18. Some people, you know, sadly, like lose parents really early. There's there's all kinds of circumstances that you can have in your life that are a moment where you kind of have to look at yourself and be like, I'm in charge now, whether I want to be or not. For me, for whatever reason, when I turned 30, even though I didn't feel any older at 30, and I love being in my 30s, I just had this moment of like, you need to stop looking for the adult in the room because you're the adult in the room. Oh. Like, that's it. Whoa. So I still feel young. I still, if I was in a music, like I was in a music festival being an idiot with my friends like a week and a half ago. It was so fun. Um, you know, I still do all the same things, but like I, I did have that moment of like, you are the adult in the room and like you need to be able to oh. handle things. And like my parents are aging, like fortunately – you know, still lots of time with my mom and stepdad, I hope, but like, they are definitely like older and it getting to that place of being like, yeah, like eventually, and in maybe not that long, you're going to need to help them with stuff. Like I, I'm like, you are the adult. There are no adultier adults. Um, oh, wow. Figure it out. So I did have that when I turned 30, but like, do I feel like an adult? Do I expect, do, do I feel like how I expected to feel? Like when I was 15 being like, when I'm in my 30s, what'll I'll be like? I, I don't feel at all like I thought I was going yeah. to. Yeah. So no, you never feel like an adult. But I do think you get those moments, whether it's like something that happens in your life or like a momentous birthday or becoming a parent or like whatever it is, there is a moment where like, yeah, you look at yourself a little bit more like, yeah, I'm the adult in the room and that's okay. Um, but you'll still feel young inside. So <laughs> um, selfish, just side question, which music festival did you go to? <laughs> I went to Electric Island in Toronto. It's an electronic music. It's not festival. our culture. Oh, yeah. e- yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, were you, wearing, were you wearing rainbow outfits? What's, what I was, was not wearing fun? a rainbow outfit, but I I was wearing like the crop top and skirt and sunglasses. I was I was in my rave gear for sure. Um, for sure. I have a, I have a slight like rave girl past, especially because like my now husband lived in Germany for a while and oh, we were very um, in the techno thing there. So I have I have who would have thought. <laughs> Um, as as that the German yeah. techno scene, you're really hip to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's your area of expertise. To close out, you do you have any books upcoming? Can you say yet if you have any books upcoming? Are you in the process? Teasers, TMZ exclusive. Yeah, I can't. I can't say yet. I am writing a third book, okay. um, and I'm very excited about it. But it is not in the stage of being able to be announced yet. Can you so, say what it's about? I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to, but it's fine. I will get a season desist. 
Or, well, okay. So if this, if I say this though, it's really going to sound like now that I just told you all that stuff about like Bordeaux and how I spent the summer yeah. there, it's going to sound like it's about me. It's really not, but it is set in Bordeaux and it's set very heavily in like the wine world there. Um, it is about, it is about wine and trauma. Okay. <laughs> so basically the parent trap. Yes. It is wine and generational <laughs> trauma. So, wine and yeah, trauma. It's like a Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> Um, stunning. And then wine and drama. Do you have, do you have real quick, any books? You kind of mentioned a few, but any books or podcasts that you think anyone listening might just love or gain something from? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I mean, it's always so hard for me to say, I love so many books. Um, I think if anybody hasn't read my shelves, I'm, if anyone hasn't read Transcendent Kingdom by Yagyasi, that's a really good one. Um, about, it's definitely a heavier read, but it is about, um, being in your 20s, coming to terms with your past, with familial loss, like things like that. So anybody that's struggling with those kind of things, it's it's great. It's amazing um, that there's really a book for everything, isn't there? There totally is. In any season of <laughs> Thank your life. You. It's just crazy <laughs> to me. Like I read, I get very stuck in the same genre for periods of time. And then I just remember like, okay, if I wanted to try something else out, like there's literally a book for truly anything, like any season, any life event that you could happen like somebody's written about it we'll die actually um, (laughs) before we get to read them all we'll die um i just read tom lake by ann patchett and i I love her was it good yes it was it's you should read have you read her essay collection these precious days actually that one i haven't it's really good as a dog on the cover it's good um so yeah so that and then i guess lastly do i have any others um, well, I get, you know what, I, I will re-recommend friends for your listeners, Friends from Home, my first book, because I think if you're in your, if you're in your twenties, especially if you're in a season where like your friends are starting to get married, like that kind of thing, it's very about that. Yeah. Pulling our shirt collars. <laughs> Stunning. Okay. Thank you so much, Lauren. Oh, where can the people find you? Yeah. Pimp you- yourself out. Do you want people oh to follow you? Have, do you have a book page? What's your Instagram? What's your are your books available at the airport? Yeah. What's the deal? Where can people get them? <laughs> My books should be available wherever books are sold. They are not in all airports, but like, you know, your Barnes and Noble, your Indigo if you're in Canada, um, your local indies, your Amazon, whatever. And then my Instagram is Lauren JC, L-A-U-R-Y-N-J-C. I have a website at my name and then a friend of mine, I told you guys I was in my 30s, a friend of mine runs a TikTok for me that I have never logged into. But it's, it is linked on my website, and if you are like, it might be Lauren C. Writes. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. On there, and it's hilarious. I'm like, okay, what do um, do yeah, your thing? Post away. Yeah, yeah. A couple millennials cool. trying to trying to make it honest on TikTok, so um, we do our best. But yeah, that's me. And thank you guys so much for having me. I like want to stay and interview you. This is the weird thing for me with podcasts. Yeah, later at a later date. Later, we should do that. Yeah, let's chat. It's also called just getting coffee or something. But um, I'll be in LA in February for sure. Um, I don't know when I would next be in Nashville. To be honest, okay. unless I get invited to we another batch. That's usually when I go to Nashville. Yeah, that's usually when most people go. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and being so vulnerable and open and sharing your experience. It is always, always great to pick people's brains who have been through it and have wisdom to share. And it's so beautiful. I literally cannot wait to read your book. You're going to eat it up. The way you were describing at the beginning of this episode, like I immediately was like, I must read this. Like this is so up my alley. So super excited. Everyone go check her out. We love supporting authors and we love supporting other women. So thank you so much. Everyone have a great weekend. Bye.